In the fourth century, a humble weaver of wool turned up at the election of the next bishop of Ravenna in northern Italy. His name was Severus. The only reason that Severus wanted to attend the election was because bishop elections were those rare times when you were basically guaranteed to witness a miracle. A dove would land on the head of the bishop-elect, at least according to one early medieval writer. When Severus arrived, he hid behind the church doors because he was embarrassed about his ragged and dirty clothing. Imagine his surprise and everyone else's when a dove found Severus in his hiding place and landed on his head, not once, not twice, but three times. That day, Severus became the next bishop of Ravenna. Today, the Episcopal Church chooses bishops a little bit differently. After a long process to select candidates, a bishop is officially elected when he or she receives a majority of votes from both the clergy and the lay voters on the same ballot. Just like one dove landing might not convince everyone, sometimes it takes more than one ballot to reach consensus. Today's process seems more democratic in many ways, but a humble weaver is far less likely now to shoot through the ranks, whatever his gifts and charisma. Today's process also seems more technical, less miraculous, yet it too can be spirit-led. Yesterday afternoon, I followed a bishop election with great interest for almost three hours. <laughs> Compared to this nation's political electoral process, this bishop election was obviously swift. Still, I was very impatient to know the results, and I longed for the simplicity of the church's early days when the landing of a dove on a particular person made everything quick and simple. After all, a dove-like descent was pretty much all that John the Baptist needed to know that Jesus was the anointed one. According to today's gospel, John had been told what sign to look for. He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one. And John confirms, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Clearly, this Jesus was the Christ, the leader John had been waiting for. Of course, John here testifies that he saw the Spirit descend like a dove, and not maybe in the literal form of a dove. The dove test in early Christian legends is probably just a shortcut through the greater discernment of spirit that's actually required for choosing religious leaders. There's one aspect of what John sees that dove-like spirit do that seems to me an essential part of that discernment. The spirit doesn't just descend like a dove, it also remains. Maybe that's because a bird could land on anyone's head or shoulder once in a lifetime or so. It's if the bird stays that you'd know God had to be at work. But the significance of the spirit remaining is very easy for us to miss because of the gospel translation that we use in worship. This word for remain shows up later in today's passage as well, only there it's translated just as stay. When John points out, points out Jesus to two of John's own disciples, they leave John and go after Jesus. 
And when Jesus asks them what they're looking for, they ask him, where are you staying? He invites them to come and see. And as we just heard, they saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. But all these words for stay and remain are the same. Now, as a sometimes English professor, I know the virtues of showing some variety in our vocabulary. It would sound a bit dull to write, they said to him, where are you staying? And then they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him, right? That's a lot of repetition. But biblical writers often limited their vocabulary to a few key words because they wanted us to notice something important about how things are connected and about how a word can deepen its own meaning for those who stick with it. Here's what we miss by translating the word as remain in the first half of today's gospel and as stay in most of the rest. We miss seeing the parallels between the events of two days in today's passage. On day one, John the Baptist had heard that the spirit would descend and stay on the one he was waiting for. And lo and behold, the spirit descends on Jesus and stays with him. On the next day, two followers want to know where Jesus is staying. And they see where he's staying. And then they stay with him. So to recap, the Spirit stays on Jesus. Jesus stays where people can find him. And the people who find him stay with Jesus. It's all the same movement. The Spirit resting on Jesus. And Jesus pausing in place long enough for disciples to find and stick with him. If we didn't have this common word, stay, we might not see how closely connected these stories are. We might also see the Jesus movement as something restless, with Jesus constantly on the move and disciples swapping teachers left and right. But really, the presence of Jesus is a call to rest, to stay. Yes, there's movement. Yes, there's change from one leader to the next. But there's also rest. There's also staying power. This word turns up again much later in John's Gospel. Only there, most translators use something that sounds much fancier or more spiritual than just stay. The word appears multiple times in Jesus' long speech toward the end of his earthly life. There, he gives his disciples the metaphor of a vine and branches to show how they'll always be connected. The translation we use in worship has Jesus say, abide in me as I abide in you. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Abide in my love. All those abides are the same as the remains and stays of today's gospel. The spirit descends and stays on Jesus. The first two disciples find and stay with Jesus. And much later, at the end of his ministry, Jesus once again invites his people to stay, not just with him, but in him, to stay in his love, and he promises to stay with them. Deep underneath all the comings and goings of Jesus' own ministry and of life in the church, there's a much stronger sense of staying, of remaining, of abiding, For those of us who have moved long distances in response to God's call, or just because some job or family member dragged us someplace new, or because some crisis or collapse drove us away from where we called home, 
In some other sense, we may also have been staying, staying faithful by offering our very best to God and by trusting God with what we offer. In John's gospel, stay describes the permanent relationship among God, Christ, and us. In the wider world of Greek writing, it means to lodge, to last, to stand fast as in battle. It's used as the precise opposite of being in exile. The invitation of Christ is sometimes to go or to come and see, but in one sense or another, it's also an invitation to stay, at least for a little while longer. Sometimes the stay part of God's call is a bit more obvious, unmissable, maybe even the result of a bishop election. But the call to stay is beautiful, abiding, and for many, it's good news. <laughs>